Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Corey, and uh, with me tonight, we got Kendall. Hello. We got Jock with us. Hello. And uh, Colin. Hi, guys. Uh, tonight we have a special show. We're going to be talking to Mr. Tim Brando. I think a lot of you probably know him, I would assume, if you're listening to us. You don't know who Tim Brando is. There's probably a problem. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I would assume most of you guys know him. Fox Sports is where he works at now. Uh, some of you who are twice our age might, you know, remember him at ESPN and stuff of that stuff, too. So you guys should know him pretty good by now. Um, we're going to go ahead and roll into this interview real quickly with him, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Hey, Mr. Brando, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, first and foremost, could you uh, let us know where some of the games that you'll be at early this season? Start with uh, start with Nebraska Akron, Week One, with Spencer Tillman and Holly Saunders, eight o'clock Eastern, seven Central, on Big Fox. Second week, Iowa Iowa State, heck of a good game. Mm-hmm. Four o'clock Central, five Eastern on Fox. Third week will be in Happy Valley at Penn State for um, Kent at uh, Penn State final non-conference game. All right, man. But we're starting in the Big Ten. And, of course, we have Big 12 and Pac-12, too. So maybe I'll get into Oklahoma before the year's out. Hope so. Yeah. Yeah, we we really appreciate Fox kind of exposing the Big 12 you know, some of the other uh, networks haven't been as kind to us in recent years. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we definitely appreciate that. Uh, okay. First thing I wanted to ask you is um, this whole Urban Meyer thing, and I know you've probably been asked about it a million times, but uh, just kind of your thoughts on how this should end up. And, and honestly, what do you feel about the length of time this board meeting has taken? Is Does it mean anything, or is there anything we should read into that? Well, first off, it doesn't matter what I think relative to – um, what should or should not happen. I think um, accountability and culpability, uh, however, should matter to Ohio State. And at least based on, you know, the reports that are coming from those that are on the ground in Columbus, Ohio, as of Wednesday afternoon, there seems to be a real problem between uh, the president of the university, President Drake, and, uh, and his board of trustees. Uh, as to whether a suspension should be levied against the head coach. Now, again, we don't know. These are simply reports from reports from the inside to the outside uh, to the reporters who really haven't had a chance to answer or ask any questions to be answered. But uh, I've been following the politics of intercollegiate athletics for the better part of four decades uh, and anytime you have a board of regions or board of trustees involved with a president and a very powerful head coach, what you have at work is uh, a great example of what can happen to reasonably intelligent, well-intentioned people when at stake, when what's at stake is power and control. Uh-huh. Power and control is the root of this lengthy day-long vigil that's been going on inside the board of trustees uh, uh, meetings with with i mean the head coach and his wife have gotten there the ad and his wife got there later the president's wife also joined so obviously the different um 
uh, silos of support for the those that are most uh, powerful uh, have all come in, have all been part of this. And um, it's an I think it's a sad but very true example of what's going on with power and control run amok in intercollegiate athletics. If you want to take a big snapshot of what's going on and try to figure out what what is the issue uh, at hand, it's really, we don't know the specifics because we're not there, but I can tell you that it's very easy to read the tea leaves here if you look at what's going on with the parties that are most impacted by these proceedings. That is, who has power and control? Yep. Does, does a head coach the caliber of Urban Meyer hold greater power and control than the president of the institution of the Ohio State University? Uh, or does the board of trustees, when siding with the coach, which at least what we're hearing today, uh, reportedly they are mm-hmm. siding with the coach, uh, in combination, do they have that power? And if so, if, if the coach is saying – as, ha- as has been reported, I will not stand for a suspension. I did nothing wrong. Then who's to say that the president might not do the same thing? Oh, I mean, yeah. He, he could he could say, well, if you do this, I will not stand for it because I'm not going to go through the kind of scrutiny that our institution will go through in the court of public opinion if no one is held culpable and accountable for this ha- this mistake having happened. Um, and if and if that is in fact the case, and and listen, people can say, well, Urban can walk and get a job. Somebody will hire him in a heartbeat. That's true. I mean, Urban, um, in terms of uh, dealing with protocol and apparently dealing with Title IX issues, and uh, according to the reports anyway, from both he and Zach Smith, the deposed assistant coach, it was reported to his superior. They summarily threw Gene Smith, the athletic director, under the bus uh-huh. by saying that they had followed protocol. Uh, it doesn't appear that Gene Smith is is going to be suspended or fall on any sword of any kind. So he's not going anywhere, at least based on the reports that we're hearing. You know, uh, though they're sketchy, that's what we're kind of being told at this hour. Uh, so... <laughs> All of that being the case, I, I think the president's got a wonderful point. As regardless of what the decision co- turns out to be, I mean, regardless of what happens, if there's no level of accountability on the surface for the rest of the country to see from any of those branches of power I've just mentioned, the president, the board of trustees, or the head coach, if no one is taking any action against anyone for any supposed wrongdoing or falling asleep at the switch or maybe just not doing a really good public relations job at a big 10 media days. If you just want to get to that, you know, take it down that far. If nothing happens, what the president of the institution is saying, I won't stand for no accountability publicly for, from anyone within this university. And if he wants to do that, I'm going to tell you that president will forever be a martyr, and he'll 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 write a book, he'll have a career as a president someplace else. <laughs> yep. And there'll be conversation about this what, what about this episode all season long. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
all season long. The story will not go away. No. Uh, after today or tonight or no. tomorrow morning, whenever whenever they come to uh, the point where they, they make an announcement and have a uh, a press conference, even if they do nothing, okay, there will still be a lot of something for them to deal with. Oh yeah. Through the course of the rest of uh, this calendar year and maybe years beyond. Yeah, I, I we agree with you 100. This is this is a, a can of worms that goes way beyond just Ohio State. Do, do you feel like there's a, a way to fix it? Is there a certain uh, maybe it's NCAA or if it, does it come down to individual schools? Do you, how do how do you see us going forward and maybe correcting some of these mistakes we're making? I, I have been a proponent. Anybody that's ever followed Tim Brando on Twitter, anyone that's ever watched my radio show when it was simulcasted on national cable television for 14 years, I retired that show back in 2014. Anybody that knows anything about my history knows that I have been a strong proponent of college football having a czar. Amen. Or, or commissioner, if you will. Mm-hmm. Amen. That someone, that someone, okay, needs to be looking out for the product itself, for the actual product of college football. Uh, the commissioners of the five power conferences and the commissioners of the group of five conferences um, they only they only deal with their own constituencies, and that's really all they need to deal with. Mm-hmm. That's all they should care about. Uh, the schools within their leagues and dealing with the presidents and the athletic directors of those schools. There's no such thing as an even-handed penalty for anything that's going on in college sports right now. Uh, the NCAA obviously has governing power for basketball, men's basketball, and, and that tournament funds all of the non-revenue producing sports championships throughout the course of the year but in college football we're dealing with a consortium a consortium of of schools within five power conferences each of those conferences governed governed by a commissioner that can rule any way he or she likes at any time and with no level of consistency for anything that takes place at its member institutions so you know, we talk about the issues with the college football playoff, how every conference should play the same number of, of, of games within their league. Uh, they all they all should have the same um, non-conference um, rules with regard to who they play and who they don't uh-huh. so that we can clean that up and bring consistency and stability to college football. Well, the same is true with governing and the policing of college football's issues that's many issues off the field absolutely mm-hmm. and and the commissioners of the conferences are just going to do it the way they need to do it so that they can politically deal with their their world okay in their vacuum if you will so what we have are in college football's power base five huge silos who operate independently and share a lot of revenue from a system that allows for the haves to make a lot more money than the have-nots. Oh, yeah. And what this means is ultimately, ultimately, no one is actually looking out to protect the covenant of the, the product itself, the big picture. There's no one voice that comes out with a big snapshot. I'm not suggesting that, that, uh, that Commissioner Swafford of the ACC or Bob Bowlesby of the Big 12 or Sankey in the SEC, Delaney in the Big Ten, and Scott in the Pac-12. I'm not suggesting that they suddenly give up their rights to negotiate television contracts or do whatever they do for the business purposes of their leagues. But I am saying 
that someone beyond them should be in control of stories like this so that the schools need to report to one body, one commissioner looking out for the the, the betterment of the product of, of college football. Definitely. Because, because we've got a governance problem, a huge problem in governance in intercollegiate athletics and specifically in college football where they're making more money than they've ever made. And what are they doing with it? Well, they're misusing a lot of it. How many former coaches are now administrators simply because they're being paid off after being fired as head coaches? Uh -huh. What about the wasted revenue from the millions of dollars that ESPN, Fox, uh, even to some extent CBS uh, and NBC bring to the college game? What are, they, what are they doing to protect the sanctity of that revenue being used properly and for the game itself to be protected as a whole? They're doing nothing. Yep. Nothing. And this is a shining example of why a czar or a overseer of what's in the best interest of college football, not just the Ohio State, not just the Big Ten, not just Alabama and the SEC, not just USC and Washington, and the Packers, but for the betterment of the product of college football. No one is doing that. And this is a shining example of how embarrassing our sport can look to those that want to take shots at it. And understandably so when issues like this take place. It's an embarrassment what's what's transpiring in many cases in college football. What's going on at Maryland, what's going on at Ohio State, the potential of what's you know, the reported story at, at Texas A and M as we speak. Yes. It's 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 absolutely a black mark on the sport. And at a time you and I are we're, we're talking right now, fellas, with a little more than a week to, to go before the start of the college football season. We can't even get to any substantive conversation about schools and teams and conferences because of this this mess. Yep. I mean, it's just a joke, an absolute joke. And, and reasonably intelligent, well-intentioned people are so concerned with power and control that anytime the right thing is supposed to be done, they're all covering the other guys with power and control's butts so they can keep their jobs and not do what's in the best interest of the college game. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, hey, uh, moving on to, to something else here. Was that good enough for you? Oh, that, 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 that was great. Yeah, that was awesome. We, we I wish say that. If we good had job. more time, we'd be piling on top of you there, but we don't have time to do that. <laughs> uh, well, I yeah. There a little bit i'm sorry no, no it's awesome. fine. hey uh the commissioner thing that's we've been talking about that for a couple of years now we're, we're totally on board with that idea yeah. um on yesterday barry alvarez came out and was talking about that he would he could get behind expanding the college football playoff to six teams i'd be interested in your take do you think four you know the current system at four is fine or should we look to expand in the future when it's available no it's not fine it's horrible thank you it's bad as the god's <laughs> sake in bcs it's, it's it's as it's as or maybe even more exclusionary than the bcs and i'm not surprised that alvarez is the first to say something i like barry uh and, and it is important that he said it because he's a former college football uh committee member uh and i'm also not surprised that uh the, the first thought process here is to to expand it to six rather than eight because we we always go slowly in intercollegiate athletics. We right. never we never do the right thing and go to the optimum number first. We always have to take these baby steps. Um, and I said a few years ago that I thought it would, wouldn't be long before we got to six teams. 
because that's just the way things go in, in college football. One of the reasons that's true is because the committee and the and the group of five, that, I mean, the, the power five, they don't really care whether uh, a team like UCF or Memphis or Houston or any team outside of the power five really has a spot. They, they really don't care about them. Mm-hmm. They really don't want to share any of the money or any more of the money with those um, those leagues anyway. So, But they do want more of their teams from those five conferences to have access to getting in. And Barry's team obviously was on the outside looking in last year. And uh, you can make a strong case that they really, even with the loss that they had in the Big Ten title game, they were a deserving team and, and proved to be that with the performance they had in their bowl game afterwards. So I'm not surprised that he came up with it, but I will tell you it's not coincidental that he did. Yeah. Trust me when I tell you there are others out there, particularly others that were once part of the of the college football committee that have already talked about format structure for six or eight teams and ESPN at some point, uh, my friends and colleagues over there, they got to be tired of seeing the same teams every year getting in. And right now college football's postseason is becoming almost as predictable as the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you every year, golden state's going to be there. And if LeBron James is playing in the East, what, whatever team he's with, is going to be on the opposite side of Golden State. Well, now he's gone to Los Angeles, so I guess we can pencil in, what, Boston or maybe Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. You, you know who it's going to be. Yep. So, and, and the other two teams, uh, whether it's Houston, um, you know, potentially, or Oklahoma City, you know, name what that other team would be, uh, I can pretty much tell you, every, you know, nine months out, who the, the three of the four teams would be in the Eastern and Western NBA Finals. Uh-huh. Well, that may be okay if you're the NBA and your marketing brand is about the individuals and the globalization of merchandising within your league, but, you know, that's the NBA. College football uh, has never been about individuals. It's been about team brands and about history, tradition, pageantry, all of that. That's the currency of the game. And I don't think America, and I really don't think ESPN, wants to see the fourth reenactment of Clemson and Alabama in some form. Yeah. Which which is, I think, exactly where we're headed again this year. And we could be headed again to that direction for many years to come. They've mm-hmm. built separation. Their leagues are only playing eight conference games. In the case of the SEC, they protect Alabama beautifully with open dates before every one of their rivalry <laughs> games. <laughs> Uh, they get away with playing Arkansas State, uh, the Citadel, and Ooh La La, and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, nobody cares. So yeah, you can. You don't need to pencil them in. Just get a sharpie. They're in. Yeah. They're <laughs> well, especially now with the fact that I mean, they, I hate to pick on ESPN, but they spend six months out of the year basically making excuses as to why a team from the SEC could get in with two losses. So even if they do lose twice, they're still going to find a way that people are just going to, oh, yeah, it's the toughest league in the world. They get in with two losses. Nobody else could even touch that. So that gets aggravating. No team gets greater benefit of the doubt. And this isn't just an ESPN issue, okay? And I I got a lot of friends over there, and I'm not – I'm never going to be critical of uh, my my colleagues in this business. We all live in glass houses. Mm -hmm. But I'm not saying anything now that I'm at Fox that I didn't say when I was at ESPN – 30 years ago or what I said when I was at CBS 10, 15 to five years ago, I had an an 18 year run at CBS 
nine years at ESPN, and now I'm at Fox. Um, but I mean, the reality is, uh, it's just uh, for them, for for ESPN, who's who's paying a, a hefty sum of money uh, for for this championship. You know, they're not getting the bang for their buck if they get keep getting rematches between Alabama and Clemson. Yep. I mean, they're not. You got to involve the rest of the geography of our country in this process. There should be a team from the West Coast, a team from the Midwest, a team from the Deep South, uh, and a team perhaps from the Atlantic Seaboard. We got to have more diversity uh, in terms of the teams that actually represent portions of, of the country that are going to be genuinely interested in the process. Mm-hmm. That's one of the great things about the NCAA basketball tournament is that so much of the country is involved and even though teams get knocked out from week to week those teams played one of the teams that advanced and their fan bases remain engaged in in the process yep uh no no one in in los angeles or new york gives a damn about watching clemson alabama for a fourth consecutive year or oklahoma those are two of your those are two of your major markets los angeles and new york and i'm telling you uh, to get the kind of rating that you expect, that you promise your advertisers. And by now, I really thought with the college football playoff, I thought by year four or five, we would see ratings that would rival the Super Bowl. And uh-huh. we have not. We have not. Now, the ratings have been good, and they've been on a steady incline since they got away from that godforsaken idea about changing the paradigm of New Year's Eve. Yes, you know, that was record. awful. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but still, they need to – and. I think for the betterment of the game, understand that um, brand names in and of themselves are not enough to grow the sport. I mean, it's it's great to have Alabama in there. But, I mean, fans are smart enough to realize this. When last year Auburn was going to play Georgia in the SEC title game, uh-huh. it didn't matter that Auburn beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. They only dropped four spots to five. So the loser of the SEC title game was clearly – going to allow for Alabama to move into their slot. I mean, there was absolutely no stinking doubt about it. So, I mean, so no one gets greater benefit of the doubt than Alabama, and America knows that. Well, that's fine. So the same would be true in the Big Ten with Ohio State, who jumped in to the fourth position and won it in fourteen when the committee decided, well, TCU's got to drop three spots from number three to number six. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I mean, how that was, I mean, come on. There was no doubt that Ohio State was going to be given greater benefit of the doubt. And that's exactly what happened. So it's not just about Alabama. It's about all of the Blue Bloods. Well, if they can find a way to shoehorn Notre Dame in, I'm telling you, they will shoehorn <laughs> Notre Dame in. They will. No matter what. And you know, that's what we're looking at today, and I think the only way to solve that problem is by expanding it. And it ought to be expanded to eight, but I do believe that Alvarez is sending this message, uh, and I think he's doing it because he knows that it's going to happen. And I think it's a well-coordinated thought process, not just of Barry's, but several other people that would be considered movers and shakers in college football who wants to put this out first so we can slowly get people's minds moving in this direction? And every three years uh, within that contract, every three years, so this is what, year five, it'll be after next season, 
they reserve the right. There's a clause in the contract that they can review it, and if they want to make changes to it, they can. So I think the potential of going to six after year six of the college football playoff is uh, is more probable than possible. Kind of, you got to talking about blue bloods there, and uh, you know a big popular subject in our country, our part of the country, is Texas. Uh, what they may do this year, what it could mean for the Big 12. Uh, a lot of people upset, you know, I say a lot of people, pretty much everybody but Texas fans upset that they're in the top 25 this year already. Um, <laughs> do you feel like they've earned that? And I know I know how the AP poll goes. They're definitely what you would call a helmet school, and you know, but they haven't done anything in a decade. You know, where do you well, kind of see them in and up this year? They're a brand name. Mm-hmm. You know, LSU's in the top 25. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that, too. Anybody look at their schedule, who they've got to play, and the questions they have at quarterback, but LSU is a team that in, within the last uh, 10 years has been a national player. So even though it's 24th and 25th in the two polls, I don't know how they got there. I mean, how is South Carolina not ranked ahead of LSU? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just looking at it from an SEC perspective. Definitely. Uh, so, uh, but but the thing with Texas – uh, and, and this is another thing I don't understand. You know, why in the world would you put Notre Dame on a schedule that includes uh, not a non-conference game uh, back and forth? You know, you're playing. Why? Why would? Why would you do that? You're already playing USC. You know, USC's playing at Texas. They play, They're they're going home and home with Notre Dame and Texas. Why would USC do that? You're out of your mind doing that. <laughs> Texas has also taken on some non-conference opponents that, to me, makes no sense. I think, you know, the Big 12 uh, is suffering when its Blue Blood programs are playing these games, and the Blue Bloods in the SEC are not. Definitely. You know? Definitely. I mean, Alabama's not, Georgia's not, but, gosh, you know, Texas is. Oklahoma certainly has. Um, I, I think the blueprint for how you win crystals at the end of this thing has been pretty much handled beautifully by the SEC and uh, the other conferences, Blue Blood programs have not gotten the memo. Well, you know, I, I don't really understand that. Now, I do think Tom Ehrman is going to be, you know, successful there. I think he will uh, eventually get the job done. But with this schedule that they've got to play this year, um, unless Ellinger gets really much better throwing the football to go along with his abilities to lead the team, uh, I'm, I'm not a believer. Uh, I think they could be better, but I'm not a believer. West Virginia and TCU are clearly better football teams. Mm-hmm. Clearly the teams that are going to challenge Oklahoma more so than Texas. But Texas always gets the run because they're a brand. What do you, a huge brand in the game. What do you feel? You mentioned that, uh, you know, about the SEC playing this beautifully. And I'm curious because I kind of laugh at our fans over here in the Big 12. They champion, well, we play around Robin. That's the best thing in the world. But I feel like we have to because that's what we're doing. Um, do you feel like it's smarter and everybody should adopt the SEC policy and stop being, you know, so, well, we have to do this. It has to be around Robin. Or do you feel like they need to shift what they've been doing and get on board with everybody else? Because they have kind of made the blueprint for this, you know, kind of easy, as you put it. Mike Slive was a brilliant man. The commissioner of the SEC was brilliant. Uh, and the run that they had during the time that I was covering the SEC on CBS with seven national championships by four different teams was, I don't know if we'll see that again, certainly not in my lifetime. Um, but what he did and, and the way he orchestrated the college football playoff, it was Slive that fought to make sure that conference champions 
didn't matter in this. It was the four best teams. Mm-hmm. You know, that language was huge mm-hmm. because he knew that as long as it was four best teams, that in the court of, um, of committee's opinions, right, especially if you got computers and strength of schedules thrown out with a nebulous criteria like the college football playoff committee has, okay, very vague uh, and, and with a lot of clauses that give the committee outs to do whatever they want, he knew that more oftentimes than not, if there was a team with an extra loss that could could find their way into the top four, it was going to be out of the SEC. <laughs> he knew that. I mean, he flat out knew that. Uh, and and you didn't hear him at any point in time try to get his, his teams to play tougher non-conference schedules. He, I mean, he, he never once really got into that. And the notion of playing these neutral site games, which Alabama – just jumped on really quickly, you know, whether it was Virginia tech or Michigan or, um, you know, whoever they were going to play non-conference in, in games in Atlanta or Arlington or Orlando or wherever they have them. That's another way to play a, a, a really good non-conference opponent, but not have to play them on their, on their soil, you know, mm-hmm. that they don't really have to ever have to go to foreign soil neutral soil and and that's good enough but uh he also had a guy former director of athletics at mississippi state larry templeton really bright guy good friend of mine he's no longer as involved but he had larry do a lot of work on scheduling so that rivalry games and dates of these games third saturday of october all that they could find a way to protect that and also give the member schools the best chance of of having great seasons uh, and that meant giving some open dates to teams before their big rivalry games. And, 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 and certainly Alabama has benefited from that tremendously during this incredible run by Saban. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's not to say other schools don't have those advantages. They do. Uh, but they've just not been in a position lately to take advantage of it quite like Alabama. But to, to, to answer your question, I think the commissioners of the conferences in question have to kind of roll with – you know, whatever they're dealing with in the big 12. Uh, I really like the fact that they still have a championship game, even with the round robin schedule. I think it will help them more than hurt them. I think having a championship environment uh, and playing in a place like Jerry world before you go into the college football playoff gives you a much better chance. I thought that really hurt TCU and Baylor that year when Ohio state got to play a big okay. 10 title game and blow out Wisconsin uh, up in Indianapolis while I'm, I'm trying to remember it was TCU beating, I think, Iowa State by yep. like 30. It may have uh, been more than that. It was bad. I think it was like 55 40. to 10 or something. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was lopsided. It, everybody knew it was lopsided. It was on their home field. And so it made it a lot easier. I think when you play a championship game, uh, and that's the other thing, the metrics of it, you know, 12 and 1 will beat 11 and 1 every time. Yep, you know, play right. that extra game. I think that's important. So I was glad to see the Big 12 go to that. And I think the league, the Big 12 conference in general, is in much better shape now than they were back in 2014. Definitely. Um, but, and I think the addition of the championship game uh, has really helped, no doubt about it. 
Definitely. Well, Mr. Brando, we know we have to let you go. Uh, thank you so much for sharing, you know, half an hour with us. We very much appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, before we go, would you go ahead and uh, kind of tell everybody where they could find you, follow you, and if you want to share where you're going to be at once again for your first couple of games, sure, that's fine too. Sure. Not, not a problem, fellas. Happy to do that. And by the way, I think West Virginia will be the team that uh, kind of comes from Nowheresville, Challenge, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and I think the potential of back-to-back games with West Virginia. Yes. Yeah. Beat OU. I don't know how much discussion there's been uh, there about that. It's but. kind of fainted off a little bit. Uh, people of TCU's kind of rose up here lately. And now if you'd asked yeah. people in June around here, I definitely yeah. think you would have got West Virginia, Oklahoma. But it's kind of faded out a little bit here lately. Yeah, I, I think Will Greer is a difference maker. Now, uh, TCU defensively is still, I think, the better team. But 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 they, West Virginia, if Greer can stay healthy, uh, their other skilled people are really, really good. And it might seem awkward to have to play back-to-back with the championship game being where it was. I know they moved Bedlam, the mm-hmm. date of Bedlam, to keep that from happening Yep. Uh, uh, last year. So uh, the reality is I, I still think West Virginia is that team. They're sort of my national sleeper pick. I also love nice. Iowa State in the Big 12. I think Iowa State's legit. And speaking of that, I'm going to see them at Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. I've never been to Kinnick, so I'm really looking forward. The Hawkeyes are also good. They may win nine or ten games. Uh, there are some teams outside the top 25 out of the Big Ten, like Northwestern, that could win ten games, like Iowa that could win nine games. Iowa plays Iowa State in week two. Um, that'll be on Fox, and Spencer Tillman and Holly Saunders and I will be there for that one on September 8th. That's a 4 o'clock Central time start. And we open, though, at Nebraska, Oklahoma's old rival. Yes. Uh, we'll see Scott Frost's first game as head coach against Terry Bowden's Akron Zips. That's a primetime game at uh, 7 o'clock uh, Central Time. Then we'll go up to Happy Valley in week three uh, for Penn State and Kent. So that's that's where we'll be to start the season uh, beginning next week. Really looking forward to it. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Brando. Uh, I usually uh, uh, have some things to say that hopefully your fans uh, would be interested in reading from time to time. Definitely. I do engage. I'm not one of those guys that runs away from fans. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll uh, come after me. I'll come after you. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's what we like to see. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, I mean, that's why they call it social networking. We should, we should engage others. I think, and uh, if you keep it clean, I'll always engage. I enjoy the spirited debate from college fans. So, thanks for having me on, and I hope we get up to Norman soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Or to Stillwater, get up to the state of Oklahoma. I'd love to see you guys this year. Hey, well, okay. if we, if you're coming, we'll find you. Okay, We'd like buddy. to meet you. All right, thank All you. Right, you Appreciate it. it. Thank you. Bye. My pleasure. Bye. All right, man, that was uh, awesome. Thank you to Tim Brando for doing that. I appreciate it. Hopefully we can get him on again. Uh, that's like the most intelligent conversations we've ever had probably <laughs> in the history of this podcast. So Outside of our WhatsApp chat. Our WhatsApp chat. What are you talking about? Oh, well, yeah, us. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some real intelligent things that happen in there. Uh, but, yes, thanks to him for doing that. Hopefully we can have him on again, uh, and hopefully we can somehow get more guests like that. I'm still not sure how we even pulled that off. But uh, thanks to him and his people for letting us, you know, share him for half an hour. Uh, any final thoughts uh, from what he said before we move this thing along? Well, I mean, he, he kind of took us to church on it, I think. I mean, he, he just kind of uh, let us know what he thought about the commissioner situation, like we talked about, we, we've been saying it for years on here that something needs to be done. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was glad to hear. I was glad to hear someone uh, from a national point of view, is, is, yeah, yeah. seeing some of the same things that we've been seeing, and, and wants wants there to be some kind of change because we've all said, okay, how can NCAA basketball tournament be ran one way, and then college football is completely ran mm-hmm. a different direction? It doesn't make sense. The most important thing I thought he pointed out too, not just the commissioner, but and this to me is the key, and this has probably got to be key number one, is that all the conferences get on the same page. Until that happens, you can't ever. Until everybody's playing by the same rules, no. you can't ever do it because you can't enforce one to one and one on another. It's not fair. Uh, just like we, like I know for us personally, well beyond this show, back to when we were like in high school, we were complaining about how the NCAA enforces its punishment, and how it varies for everybody. You know, you could have two identical crimes, and you don't know what rabbit they're going to pull out of a hat for a right. punishment. It could be a death penalty or a two-game suspension for somebody. And you know, going into that aspect, even until everything gets on the same page. You just can't do it. And it's either going to take – I guess it could be either or. It's either going to take somebody like a hire like that, and then he builds like a, I guess the equivalent to like a presidential cabinet, whatever you would call that, a board of trustees, <laughs> I guess, or whatever, and they build their rule system and hand it down the following year. Like, a, And, you know, maybe that's what has to happen. I don't know. And then how did the – see, to me, that's why you got to involve the commissioners. This needs to be a commissioner's pick because if not, they're going to fight the crap out of it. And in our sport – the commissioners of the conferences have all the power right now. Right. So if he's not into play yet, you know, they could be like, well, who am I? I don't recognize his power. You know, I'm not saying it would happen, but that it needs to be their guy. So I think they would get behind right. it and do it. I guess the big question is, would they be willing to give up that power? I mean, now it's whatever. It's kind of a wild west. I mean, they, they can do right what now, they want to do. Right you know? now, I wouldn't if it was me. Other than you get rid of a lot of the headache, a lot of the negatives they have to put up with. Yeah, especially in the SEC with all the stupid, you know, crime and arrest. It seems to happen way more in that conference than anywhere else. Um, you know, with the exception of that, the headaches of that, as far as the money, I mean, right now they get to go gamble their, and negotiate their own prices. So, you know, all that stuff you would think is going to be streamlined if it becomes under a commissioner. Yeah, so. it would be, yeah. And not, not to sound like a nerd here, but it, it's very comparable to, you know, Major League Baseball coming out of the 1919 World Series with the uh, Black Sox. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if the sport, in order to do this, the sport's going to have to get so negative, with, which, I mean, we're seeing some of that now. Mm-hmm. There's all these things happening off the field. If it gets so negative... To maintain the reputation of the product on the field, the commissioner, and this is in baseball, the commissioners at that time said, we got to put somebody up here that, you know, that has the power to act and do stuff. Now, I I think they gave him more power than they initially thought they did. I don't think Mm -hmm. they'd probably take some of that back now if they could, but that's where we're going to have to head. You're right. I mean, they're going to have to, the commissioner is going to have to hand off that power and let that central person be able to dictate what needs to happen. Yeah, that's why I think it has to be a guy. You know, they those five vote. If you want to include the group of five guys, whatever. I still think there probably just needs to be a split in that area. But if they're still around and you want to do the group of five guys, fine. Uh, you know, have them included or whatever. But it needs to be somebody they support. I just think you're going to be battling this thing. God, even maybe in court, who knows? Yeah. But my, my other big takeaway was when we were talking about the college football playoff expanding to six, what I wanted to ask, and I didn't really have a chance to, was – did he think that Barry Alvarez, he, you know, he said it was good that it came from him and everything. Was that more of a reaction from Alvarez just due to the fact that Wisconsin was left out? But what he said, which is my big takeaway, is that this has been talked about in the past internally. So that that's a good sign for the expansion. I, I agree. And it needs to expand. I mean, let's be honest. What he said was spot on. The 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 big boys are always going to squeeze in there and leave the other ones out. Mm-hmm. It's not a true playing field. There's no gain for yeah. them to include those people. No. Nothing. It's less money for them. Now, in theory, you would think if you made it more attractive and more people would come to watch it, that means more money, but you can't prove that. No, that's the thing. And right now, well, I mean, right now they're not sure any of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, look, look at the SEC. They love the way it is because 
they get two teams in quite often. Well, they just so, got I mean, two they, paydays, they, for instance. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're getting squeezed. They're squeezing the limit way harder than everybody the, else. The Big 12 got the one for last year, obviously, and the big uh, – what would it be? The uh, ACC got another payday. Well, then the, the SEC gets twice that, you know, for their two teams. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I really – and I apologize to our fans. I really wanted to get more, a few more takes on him in the Big 12 this year. But, uh, one, it was our first interview with him, and we had no idea – you know how many questions we were going to get in and we were limited to half an hour by his handler i guess if you will is that who told us that i didn't know who told him that or who, who did you talk to like well, he's got a representative yeah, he just, agent he's busy he's a busy he's man got, Let's just yeah. Yeah. he's got a lot of interviews whoever his people are yeah. so yeah we were limited That's to awesome. that and so we couldn't get more in there than that i you know i apologize for that so well, uh, 30 minutes is good man but it, well the thing was it went a totally different direction than what yeah. we thought it was going to go which i th- I, th- I found which refreshing. was awesome yeah, yeah. I mean, it was so oh no it was yeah. a great interview i just if our fans were tuning in expecting a total big 12 set of questions for him i we would have <laughs> loved to have done that i just could we there's just no way it, it, well it just it just the doors just kept opening to other issues that were were actually bigger than the big 12 right now. i mean like it's it's this is a big issue going on. I was glad to hear someone from a national point of view has some of the same points of view that we have on, on different issues going on. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was great. No, definitely. Yeah, no, it was. And then, I mean, I wouldn't trade any of it back. Um, you know, I wanted to get, you know, and he brought up LSU. I kind of want to talk to them in a comparison. You know, what do you guys think? Uh, Texas, you know, they kind of got into that poll, you know, let's be honest, on a little bit of hope and we are Texas. And LSU is there probably from what they've done lately and the fact that they're really talented, but neither one of them is going to end up there. I mean, do you guys think – I mean, who do you think ends up having the better season out of those two? Well, I mean, I, I would say Texas just based on the competition. I mean, when you're in the SEC West, you're, you're getting you're getting knocked around quite a bit. So, I mm. I mean, I, I would kind of give the upper hand to Texas. But that being said, I mean, Texas has got a lot of questions too. I, we've, we've always said about LSU this, if, if they could find a quarterback mm-hmm. – they they have the talent all around them to make some make some big strides, but they they've never been able to find a quarterback in well, God knows how long. It's those, been years and years. So I mean, well, it's, those programs are so similar to me. It goes back to what you were saying the other day in our chat about you know LSU at one point had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. and basically me out there playing quarterback for them. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I mean, no doubt. If, if they have any of the Big Twelve quarterbacks, they may it's, you know contend for a national championship. Mm, well, I, I'd be on on favorite, I would think. Oh, I mean, I'll you know I'll take this to my grave if if Les Miles could have found a few more quarterbacks. LSU has a few more rings than Alabama is in the power they've been. Not in my opinion. I think that would be a little bit more balanced out. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I guess let's go ahead and move on into our rankings then if we're done with that. Uh, you know, as we kind of expected, there was a lot of hubbub about it. I, obviously, way more than in recent years because we have a lot more followers and people paying attention now. But um, curious first, kind of going around the table, did you have a take that surprised you about this poll, something you didn't expect, a team where they went? Um, you know, I know there were individuals who voted a certain way that shocked some of us, and we'll get to that. But, Oops. you know, kind of as a whole, is there anything about the poll you took away that kind of surprised you? Or, I don't know, did you expect maybe even knew it was going to happen? I, I It kind of fanned out the way I thought it was going to based on what, you know, everybody was voting. I, I didn't see any – I mean, I guess I had a few – monkey wrenches in there but as far as the the group as a whole they kind of they kind of fell in line where i thought they were going to fall um you know i've been saying for a long time two through about six or seven to me could go any direction and so uh, to be surprised no in oklahoma being number one not a surprise at all mm-hmm. 
I, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little surprised Oklahoma wasn't unanimous number one. I thought they were until I went back and saw the poll. And there were three or four number one votes the, for other teams. The only reason I say that is because it just it seemed so overwhelming in all the conversations we had. It seemed like everybody pretty much agreed that they were probably the best team in the league, so I honestly expected that. Now, does it mean I think they should be? No, but I was surprised it wasn't in our poll. I, I don't agree with Texas Tech above Baylor. You don't agree with Texas Tech? Okay, why not? I just feel like Baylor's a way better team than Texas Tech. Well, apparently so do a lot of our followers because, to me, Baylor was the one that – Baylor that fans were the, the ones that ones. hit us the most. Yeah, that was one of the main ones. It seems yeah. to be that nine spot. Whoever's in the nine yeah, spot not is happy. not happy. Yeah. Kansas fans, perfectly I think, it's, I, I think it's closely their their proximity to Kansas that pisses them off. Like, really? We're, we're wanting in front of Kansas? <laughs> um, I, I don't well, know. I took a lot of it from Kansas State fans throughout the day, too. Uh, they weren't happy, and here's the, and I know why. A lot of them see them as an actual contender this year. I can't get there, and even as the team is constructed. Now, obviously, my my thing, a hundred percent, because people ask me about where I put them. I put them at eight, I believe it was um, seven or seven or eight. I know it was. I think it was below Oklahoma State at eight. Um, my biggest reason for that is just their schedule. Go look at it, guy. I mean, some guy wanted to argue, well, they play all the same teams. Yes, but it's how you play them, where you play them, the order you play them in. And they're coming off inviting Mississippi State to to Manhattan, too. You know, that's a team that could beat them up some. So um, when you look at, you know, and I still have some questions about the quarterback. I'm not sure they know who their best quarterback is there, much less we do. Uh, you know, and some of that stuff. So I, you know, with the playmaker, they lost Pringle. They got to figure that out. You know, and I, I know they got guys. I'm not saying they don't. We realize that, but I just, I don't. This, to me, the schedule does not shape up well for them. They play two of the worst teams in the league, or maybe the two worst, depending on how you feel about them. Not till the end of November. So I mean, you know, they're basically taking all that on the front end, and I just, I just don't think they're going to survive it. Well, and also you factor in they are bringing in two new coordinators. Now, I know at the time that we did our season preview that we pretty much thought that the offense and defense were basically going to stay the same. Yeah, they thought with Dana Dimble gone, well, it didn't matter. Well, now you're you're starting to hear out that maybe maybe the offense is changing to more of a pro-style offense. Needs well, to. How does, that, how does that look for K-State with the personnel that they have? And I feel like they could recruit to that. I yeah. really do. Like, I don't think – and to be honest, even as an Oklahoma fan, I've talked about this in the past, I would like to see Oklahoma go to a pro-style offense more. Um the spread does help, and we do do well in that. I'm not saying we don't. I just and now again, some of that's changed since Oklahoma's gone to more of a physical run game, and I feel like Baylor fans kind of adopted that too, because uh, there was some chatter of them back in those days. They would like to see something a little different than the spread they were doing. But you know, since the big the league has kind of adopted more of a power run game, I don't know about you, Oklahoma State fans. It doesn't seem so bad, you know, as when we were a finesse league more. But you know, again, it wouldn't hurt my feelings a bit if Oklahoma went to you know more like a USC style offense, something like that. Wouldn't bother me a bit. Yeah, no. The one thing that surprised me, actually, maybe I shouldn't be surprised by it, was that OSU ended up at seventh. Mm-hmm. I yeah. figured that they were going to be probably in the middle of the pack. I, mean, I thought five, probably. Yeah, I was thinking five, up. five, maybe well, six. I, I think, in general, though, when you look at Oklahoma State, you you look at the big picture, like offensively, you lose one of the great, you know, probably the best quarterback they've had in their history program, mm-hmm. one of the best receivers they've ever had in their program. You, you take away those two big playmakers, and automatically people think, oh, Oklahoma State's going to take a step back. Now, as you look at history, though, they, they seem to find a way to win. They, yeah. they seem to do it. Now, do they do it this year with Cornelius at quarterback? 
I, I don't know. That, time, time's going to tell on that. that that's what scares me, and that's what I was debating with somebody else. I don't think they're seventh. And honestly, I think what hurt Oklahoma State in our poll is that nobody just really gave them a high vote. It wasn't necessarily that everybody buried them. I just think a lot, just about the majority consensus, and I'd have to go look, was probably something like four to seventh place, somewhere in that ballpark of what people gave them votes-wise. So, uh, you know, they weren't benefiting from maybe a, a random first-place vote or something like that either. Right, um, it was mostly five through seven. Yeah, so I think that's kind of why they ended up where they did. But when it comes to them this year, you know, the thing that worries me about Oklahoma State, again, just what you said, they lost that. We know historically they haven't been great on the offensive line. We do feel like they have a couple of really good offensive linemen this year, and we'll see how it builds around them. Um, then there's always been the questions around the defense. The years they've been good, the defense has gotten a lot of turnovers. Can they manage that? But, then you well, look at the one, fact that time out, I'm not done. Then you have the fact that even in years they've had really good quarterback play and really, and we felt really good about them. There were still years they barely got by on the skin of their teeth to manage ten wins. So you know, if one or two of those situations turns differently, you're looking at a seven and five team. So you know, that's I think to me that's where I sit on them. That's true. I just wanted to say one thing about your defense comment. Since in Mike Gundy's tenure, the first year of a defensive coordinator has always been the best year. So. <laughs> We'll if, if it holds, if it holds, Pat, they should have a good defense this year. Yeah, I, I, I know. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> you knew something, but it went away. Yeah, yeah. I, I had something to say. Well, you know, and one, one thing about Oklahoma State is, like we're talking about defensively, they have to rely on turnovers, which is a scary thing to have to rely on. You know, I know they're going to change their things up. I heard they're bringing more guys. They're going to try more things to, to, to generate more turnovers and things. But whenever you have to rely on that, that's a scary thing. Now, if it works out, you, it's it's genius. I mean, all of a sudden, you are one of the top two teams in the league. But when it doesn't, it can hurt you really bad real fast. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you guys this. Did it surprise you at all that TCU ended up above West Virginia in our poll? Um, me, no. Maybe a little considering how many t- West Virginia fans are in our, our group. Um, but to be honest, I hadn't really talked to our group about West Virginia. I hadn't really seen much chatter. I mean, I don't check into it as often as you guys do, but um, I hadn't really seen much and gotten a feel for how our group felt about West Virginia. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, like I said, I, I will stick to this and no matter what through this season. I think if all this stuff was done a month and a half ago, I think West Virginia is probably overwhelmingly the favorite. I just feel like in the last – I don't know if you want to call it a slow-moving coup. Maybe TCU has kind of slowly just kind of creeped up and overtaken West Virginia in a way. Well, here's my biggest problem with West Virginia. Offensively, they're going to score. They're going to put up points. We know that. But the thing is, is that with the defense they run, we we make you know we've said things about it before. That that one one nine they run is that they can't stop the run. And what what's the one thing? I mean, I think they gave up five yards a carry last year. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing that the Big 12 has this year that mm-hmm. they've had in quite a while is abundance of good running backs. I don't know. Until they can stop the run, I, I can't I can't put my money on that. Well, that and, you know, That's I mean, we, we could get into a lot of discussion on West Virginia. You know, I, there's obviously questions on defense. They do have a couple of good players that scare you. But that defensive line worries me a lot. Uh, and, and that ain't just me coming from me. That's coming from West Virginia guys we talked to on the show. You can go back and listen to them. It just doesn't, uh, you know, they're just – they don't have talent there. They have guys, just guys. And it depends on how they're going to play. Then you talk about like that too, the three five three three five stack. It does not do well against the run. It's a conversation I've had on the Ears podcast with those guys several times. They hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just yeah, doesn't. Does. It doesn't do well for that heavier run situation. It was a lot better in the Big East. It's not working as well for them here. Um, you know, and like you said, teams do run the ball. Well, also that's a double whammy for them because the one saving grace. I mean, let me ask you this: If this team doesn't have Will Greer, if this is just um, Skyler Howard, where is this team right now? In season-wise, preseason rankings. Five, six. Are they even in the top 25 in the country right now? 
Oh no, no probably not. Okay, that's exactly my because point. A lot of and then I get I get that Will Greer and a quarterback's important, and it's probably more important in the Big Twelve than anything. But you also you know you can point to that with the teams that won. But those teams also had a lot of pieces that this team just doesn't have to me, and and depth is part of that. And if your your saving grace is Will Greer to an extent, and like Kendall said, we are people are going to be running the ball on them like crazy. It's a double whammy for them because now he's on yep. the bench. So you're taking their only shot that people really have at them being a competitive top team off the off the field, and that's what people are going to do. Get ready, everybody's going to try to run right down the middle on them. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's to me that's the way that's a blueprint to beat them. I mean, now, now that being said, if they can stop the run, I can I, I can see them finish a the second easily. I mean, I really can because they they do have enough talent offense to score. But I just I, their defense is worrying me. I don't think their def- I'll put it this way. I don't think their defense is good enough to play both equally pass and run. If it's me. I come out early expecting and sending everybody at the run and force everybody to beat us through the air, especially with the lack of quarterbacks in this league right now, or at least what we know about them. Right. Again, we have some young, talented guys we think could play, but what we know about them, if I'm West Virginia's coordinator, everything is attacking the run game and forcing everybody to beat us on the outside. And you may win or lose, but that's your best shot. Yeah. Yeah, I know my my number one pick, I, I picked Iowa State, which threw a big, uh, big firestorm. But my, my thing is, is like they had – some of the least amount of questions to me as far as people returning, where, the direction they were going, and I, I just felt like they're for real. You know, and I, Preacher Brando, he, he agreed with me. He said Iowa State's for real, and I, I, I agree. I think they're for real. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to have a better record than Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is definitely going to end up with the best record in, in the Big 12, but whenever you have a one-game playoff system basically, you know, for championship, you, you just got to be in that one game. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I finished, yeah, I had them finish yeah. in second. Oh, you finish in first as far as regular season, but then I have Iowa State beating them. Kendall, here, here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Which, it, this is actually more shocking to me than Iowa State at one. If you, I if know, you I screwed up it. there. But, hey, go ahead. No, uh, TCU at yeah. seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I kind of put a lot of emphasis on their defensive line and with losing uh, Blacklock. I, I thought, I mean, that's to me, huge to loss. me that changes their defense tremendously. Maybe you don't realize – I mean, I don't think people realize how important a defensive tackle is. And to me, he was the only guy in the Big 12 that I was like, that's a defensive tackle. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to be. And so, if you take that away, to me – now, maybe they might have a guy that can feel in there and I don't know about. But as of right now, I just I'm, – I'm just worried about them. Also, I'm, Sean Robinson, to me, there's a lot of question marks there. Can, can they score? Mm-hmm. You know, they can play some defense, but – if the other scores, if the other team scores twenty four points, are you going to be able to score twenty five? I yeah. don't know. To me, the question is still has to remain one hundred percent around that offense. I mean, I think I understand you're saying defensively, and that's definitely true. To me, this is still, if not the best, the second best defensive line in the conference. So while that does hurt them, I still think they'll be solid defensively. It just it centers around that offensive line, and we know how important that is, man. <laughs> it, yeah. It's everything, uh, the, and their offensive line just scares the crap out of me. The thing is, though, on that thing too, is like. Okay, if I do them way up, who would I move way down? I mean, it's it's like uh, um, it, to me that's what I said. That two through seven range to me can go. You could you could plug people in two through seven, and you could make an argument for each one of them. It's, mm-hmm. it's a it's an odd year to me as far as I mean Oklahoma is the clear cut favorite in my opinion as far as but for two to seven to me I, I could plug anybody in two and anybody in seven and I'm I'm okay with it. But speaking strange. speaking of plugging anybody into two. Jock, you, you had some explaining to do, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, looking here at your your ranking, you have Texas falling in at number two. So, defend yourself <laughs> to the masses. He had Texas number two in the conference? Yes. Man, well, okay. you got two things to explain. Yep. <laughs> I just hate West Virginia. 
in the first place. Hey, he's honest. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nothing else. We taught him to be no transparency. We promised the folks. Yeah. Okay, well, moving. And I think Texas, I mean, TCU with the defense is also another one. Yeah. Well, moving on to your, your big one that's, you, you know, they're threatening removing yeah, digits and everything it, yeah. from you. Yeah, Can- Tech fans hate yeah. pissed right now. Kansas over Tech. Yeah, I just feel like oh, Tech Tech's probably gonna lose to Kansas. That's my bold prediction. And then Kingsbury's gonna get fired after they lose to Kansas. Well, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll move we'll on from that. Uh, what what uh, other... for the folks? Could you share your Twitter handle again, please? Real quickly? <laughs> Not at Big Twelve Country. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This wasn't me, so don't keep addressing this crap to me because it wasn't me personally. One other thing that I thought was funny, just from from some of the response we got. I think it was Barstool Oklahoma State account that uh, sent the thing to Williams saying that he was dead to them. The reason for that being... I saw that. I didn't know what that was about. He has OSU at eight, which is by far the lowest. To say by far, Uh, I guess the other people all have him at seven, so not really that far, but... I put him at six, didn't I? Uh, Corey had OSU at six, yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, I had him at four. I had five to six. That's that's where I think Flando, five to six. Here's the thing. It's preseason poll... Yeah, none of us have any idea what's really going to happen. I mean, Oklahoma could could go out and go undefeated. They could also lose four games. I don't know. I mean, there's so many question marks across the board with so many teams. It's 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 really interesting trying to pick this thing out. Yeah, year. let me ask you this: since you mentioned Oklahoma, because I want to get to another question real quickly. Mm-hmm. We talk about quarterback situations, and we all mm-hmm. feel like Will Greer is the best in the league, and I think that's pretty much a given. Mm-hmm. Is there a team out there you feel better, especially? You know, and it depends on how much you have to buy into this fall camp dis- discussion. But is there a team you feel better about their quarterback situation than Oklahoma? Dude, I'm really big on Charlie Brewer from Bayer. Baylor. No, 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 no. I mean, like as a whole, not just the starter. I, I'm not just saying Kyler. Murray. I'm saying because he has Kendall Thompson. Uh, Kendall, Austin. Austin. Austin, Austin Kendall. Kendall. Sorry, I always did that backwards. <laughs> Kendall Thompson hasn't been here in four years. Um, yeah, because he has Austin Kendall behind him, and they do feel like it's that close. Do you feel like – because well, I know how we all feel. If Will Greer goes down, West Virginia is going to bomb. Well, I mean, here's, here's they're going to the go away. This is my question I have. Do we really think it was that close? No. Because, I mean, I, I, they, they were pretty much – in my opinion, they had Kyle Murley penciled in in January as a starter. Well, I mean, they I needed to keep Kendall interested too. But also, what do we really know about Kendall other than he was a highly recruited guy and played good in the spring? Well, game. like I said, we've seen about as much of him as we have Kyler yeah. on yeah. second on, at it's, OU. So, but it's hard to base anything on on really any of these other teams well, outside of the starters because we haven't seen any. My bigger question, though, is to get to something else: is how bad are the quarterback situations around this well, league, and how bad I, is somebody getting taken out going to really? I mean, this, that could really turn this league upside down in a hurry. Like, take Iowa State, for example. Yeah. Do we know that that's situation fair. behind you? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Well, I, to uh, me, we, and, we didn't know before last year either, and he came in well, and no, beat Oklahoma. But you don't know. So that's what I'm saying. Like, how yeah. do you feel good about I, anything outside? And like I said, if Will Greer goes down, North Virginia is in serious trouble. This is my opinion on the Big 12 quarterback situation. This year is kind of rough just because we had so many people graduate that were good players. But I feel like there's a good young crop mm-hmm. of young kids that are just not ready to play yet. Yeah, like it's time for everything to cycle. I think the next like next year, the next two years, you're going to see a big jump in quarterback play. Yeah, this is like it's a filler season. Yeah, that's what I feel like. You have a chance too, in about by 2020, to have some ridiculous offenses in this yes. league. I mean, like it's coming, record-breaking offenses, and not just one big dog like Oklahoma in 08 or you know TCU when they were in them and Baylor. I guess both that year. You know, not just those years. You're talking about like four or five teams could be ridiculous yes. on offense in a couple of years. That's what's happening to me. This is kind of like the stopgap year of, of you know bridging between what left and what's to come. Like it's it's kind of just mm-hmm. that odd season of everybody's kind of just having to plug in somebody. 
who maybe not be not be ideal for what they normally have, but it's it's the bridge to get to where they're going. Since you since you said that real quickly, you guys uh, and I know you haven't been prepared for these questions, but um, defensively, since you guys are saying that, if the Big 12's numbers just roughly defensively aren't a lot better this year, what do you think that says about the conference and maybe the narrative of our defenses? Well, I mean, <laughs> That's a <good> question. <laughs> my my narrative of the Big 12 defense is we just don't have the same amount of talent as some others because I mean, just look at the NFL draft. I mean, that's, well, to me, to me, yeah. that's just a red flag there. But me. again, like the offense is in 2020, it is getting better at least on paper. It's coming. Yes, it it is getting better. I agree with you, but I I I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. And the the style of offense depends on what happens. Are we going Are we going to start going more pro style? Because it sounds like some teams are kind of shade, you know shading that direction. That's going to bring in a whole other can of worms too. So I don't, I don't know. It's that's a really good question. I yeah. don't know how to judge them. That's what I was going to say. I think. I mean, going the other way from you, what if the defense actually looks better this year because people are scoring less because they're running? More? Well, that's what I'm saying. To me, that I think if that happens, which I assume, I assume that will happen. I do too. Um, if that happens, people are going to automatically undercut it because we don't have the quarterbacks in this league. So, uh, you know, to me, which is the worst narrative? <laughs> I guess neither are, are ideal. I mean, so again, we're in a lose-lose situation when it comes to defense in 2019 or well, 2018 for the Big 12. Yeah, it's always. I mean, it's perception. It's what everybody else thinks of us. I mean, we can. We Does can it start out. at the draft? Does it start changing the narrative when we start putting people in the draft? It, it would probably help yeah. if we didn't have only two All-Americans this <laughs> year. You know, you look at those lists, and it. I mean, it ties into the draft like that. Preseason All-American, you have uh, – the only one I saw was AP. We had two. And I think – actually, I saw ESPN also. We had three, I think. Mm-hmm. Dalton Rizzer snuck in there. Or, yeah, Rizzer's in there on the ESPN. So, I mean, until we start getting some respect across the board, and, and especially with the NFL teams and stuff, it's going to be hard to change the perception of the defense. To me, well, they really screwed up this year because if nothing else, you got to give the Big 12 some offensive – especially at the running back position this year. Historically, you would think so. There's at least – at least four or five – solid starting NFL lineman in the league this year, at least. I mean, there may be more than that, but at least that many. So there's, there's gotta be, you know, I just feel like they kind of the mist and, and they don't that's, care. But again, but, that, that affects the perception of the league. Oh, and no, it's it's a, something that doesn't matter, but in the end of game for the big 12, it does. Well, in perception, they kept telling us if we start winning these big off season games or these big non-conference games, well, the big 12s kind of started doing that to some degree. I mean, you know, most recently Oklahoma, I guess Ohio state would be the biggest one, but, there's been some games we've started to win. You know, I know it doesn't matter a whole lot, but Oklahoma State destroys Pitt in Pitt and just trounces them. You know, things like that. Um, it, it's got to help. I mean, at some point, when is this going to happen like they said it would? Well, I mean, in my opinion, too, it's kind of the Big 12's fault. By what I mean by that is the style that we went to on offense across the board doesn't – doesn't we, we, gotta, we got this mm-hmm. pass-happy, wide-open, non-tackling, high-scoring – you know, mantra about ourselves, and all of a sudden, it's tough to get out of that. I mean, like it's going to take a while to to throw that filter mm-hmm. out. E- even if we switched, say everybody went to pro style this year, it's still going to take a few years for that to cycle out because everybody's perception is automatically, well, the Big Twelve, all they do is throw the ball around. They don't actually, you know, they play flag football. It's, that's, that's, <laughs> that's that really is the national narrative. I mean, well, whether you like it or not, that's and, the truth. And it's also impacted the infrastructure of like high school football. You know, if yeah. you go to Texas right now. What is everybody doing all summer? Seven on seven. Mm-hmm. Seven on seven, yes, exactly. Well, I, I think to us it's got to be the big I, – I, you can win with our offenses, and I'm convinced you can win – and I'm convinced you can win national titles with offenses, especially the teams that run the ball like in Oklahoma does, like Texas has at times, like Oklahoma State does. You know, those teams that run the ball like that, I feel like that you can win a title that way. To me, it's it's clearly the front seven on defense. It's mm-hmm. Linebacker, we've started to get a little bit better. We've gotten some more names. 
But until well, until you know in the Rose Bowl last year, until an Oklahoma defensive line can actually have some impact on a Georgia offensive line or something like that, it's not going to. I don't think it's going to ever. They're never going to win those games. I don't think. Well, I mean, I heard something really interesting today uh, by Jake Trotter from ESPN. He, he said if you look at Oklahoma over the past four years and Oklahoma State over the last four years, Oklahoma has only average defensively has only given up three less points per game than Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State mm-hmm. just you know got rid of their defense coordinator. So I mean. It, it's if you t- you're right. If, if if Oklahoma has a little better defense, they win national title last year because their offense was good enough mm-hmm. to win the whole thing. As a story well, career. after yeah. finally watching the national championship game a few weeks ago, <laughs> I it was even more mad. They could have beat that Alabama team. That just frustrates the crap out of me. But yeah, I just I, and, and again, I think I think the league as a whole, as much as people don't want to hear it, we need Texas to step up and be consistent. We do. We need that. I guess I don't I don't use this term negatively, but that next tier group of Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, TCU. Uh, one time at Baylor, I guess we need to find somebody else to throw in that situation. Maybe Iowa State, if they can keep recruiting the way they are. Uh, you know, we need that next tier of teams to step up and be those and also be, you know, nine-win teams consistently, ten-win teams, and then every few years contend for the league. You yep. know, that's what we need. It needs to be some consistent. There needs to be three or four teams, like, because that's all the SEC is, guys. Now, again, they've built that narrative on, you know, a lot of BS and, and false hopes and dreams, but – you look at three or four teams consistently carry that conference, and they are spread out through divisions to some degree. I mean, now you got Georgia over in the East, Florida when they're up, uh, you know, Auburn and Alabama, and, you know, Mississippi State will come along, something like that. But LSU, I guess, you know, you need those four or five programs you can look to and say, those are our flagships, those are going to consistently be there, and that's what makes us the best league. Well, another thing, too, is they're, they're able to sell to kids, like, especially the defense side of the ball, we can help you get to the next level. Mm-hmm. What, what that I mean to me? That's a big thing because the kids, high school kids today, are not like they were thirty years ago. They're they're thinking long term. Yeah, like, they want to know the end game. The, yeah, mm-hmm. the end game. They're not thinking about oh, I want to go to Alabama because that's my school, or I want to go to Oklahoma because it's my school. They're they're thinking long term. How do I get to the NFL? And the, the Big Twelve really can't go in there and say we can we, defensively we can help you get to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Whereas if all the SEC schools, the Big Ten schools, can say. Look how many guys this conference put out to the NFL. And regardless of what you got, I mean, people think that is a big thing to kids, especially like your top-rated players. They, they want to go to the next level. I think you're starting to see it some with the schools that have brought in some younger, I don't want to say hip because it's a stupid word, but younger, more, I guess, in-touch defensive guys and recruiting guys. They are starting to change this because they're selling yes. a different narrative. Uh, you need to focus on things you can control like yes. playing time or you know the fact that this is a pass league. If you're a secondary guy, look at the showcase you'll be on every week trying to defend these passes. You know, I know that's kind of crude, but stuff like that. You know, they are starting. They stopped focusing on what we can't do, and they're starting to focus on what we can sell to kids, and it is helping. It's, I think. I think you're right. You're right. The, the the amount of talent that's coming in, especially in secondary, is starting to change, which it should because. Like Oklahoma, when was the last time they had a first-round draft pick at cornerback? Uh, the last good one they had that was even drafted was Colvin, and that was 13. And I can't remember what round he was drafted in, but it wasn't first. I mean, was it like Walford maybe, uh, It Was he probably the last corner draft? Was Roy taken the first round by the Cowboys or second? I think he was second round, wasn't he? He's first round. Oh, You're a Cowboys fan. It's been, it's been probably 10 like, years at least, right. probably 15, closer to 15. You know, actually, we were talking the other day about the last time that we had a NFL caliber safety in the Big 12. What about it was uh, Markel Martin from OSU in 2011. Mm-hmm. He was the first team All-American at safety. Yeah. yeah. I had totally forgot about that. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, um, well, you um, know, the whole thing is, like, it just – you're right. They have to start selling a different narrative, and mm-hmm. they got to come up with a better way to sell it because – 
But now they're getting outsold. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, I'm glad to see things are changing finally. Well, and the NFL is even kind of somewhat shifting to some of the things we're doing here uh, defensively even. You're starting to see smaller linebackers and things like that that can cover ground. So, again, I know I said this on a show a few weeks ago. I think to some degree you are going to start seeing that narrative turn to our favor a little bit. I don't think we need to go all the way back to SEC football here oh, no, no, to I'm get that. that. I think if we pull back a little bit and, you know, we do get – what we really need is we need to win some of these recruiting battles to get a few kids here that we can showcase, and then it proves to everybody. Yes. Because then I think it will open the floodgates. You need to win those, you know, for uh, the – Dax, you need to win the the recruiting battle for a kid like Dax. You need to get some of those guys here that can say that go out and are all Americans consistently on four or five different teams and say, "Look, you can do it here." And then I think the gates will open for everybody. But, I mean, it's hard to do, but that's part of it. I think. Don't you think that the the change to the RPO offense has really started to maybe change the narrative on Big Twelve offenses away from just mm -hmm. we're throwing a freaking ball every play? It's well, we may be throwing the ball every play, but when just when you think we're we make gonna, it look like we're throwing the ball, yeah, every just when play. you think we're going to throw the ball, well, there we go for a thirty-yard run. Definitely, it's helped us because I think it's interjected some random runs into game situations yes. that we wouldn't have had otherwise, you know, on calls and stuff like that. And again, I, I think you know, I go back to pointing to Baylor. Uh, whoever it was we talked to a couple weeks ago brought this up. They were a really great run offense when everybody thought they were playing on the boundaries the whole time. And you have to be that, and you have to advertise that. I think when you do both and you balance it, then people are going to appreciate it more. All right, I have some breaking news, guys. So we were talking about the Ohio State thing earlier. We had some resolution. Uh oh Urban Meyer was suspended for the first three games of the season. Already? Like they yes. confirmed it? Okay. When you said was, I thought you were going to say, they, but they took it back. No. They they play Oregon State so he's and miss the TCU game at home and then TCU on the road. So that's that's big time for TCU potentially. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully they get their quarterback situation figured out by which, then. So. Which also one of our favorite Twitter followers, uh, Tattoo Baker, mm -hmm. commented and said, seriously, a three-game suspension? Hell, Tom Brady had a harsher punishment over an equipment violation. <laughs> <laughs> Valid point. I thought that was worth referencing. It goes back to our commissioner point. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. So that's good news for them. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to include about our polls or anything like that? No, uh, just just be sure to tune in on Friday. We're, we're going to have a, a special show, obviously, with the Bedlam preview and – you know, OU and OSU should be fun. And we will split those up. We're not going to be doing both at the same time because I think there was some confusion over that. So there were some people that I, I could tell by the questions they were asking thought it was just going to be like, uh, OSU this question, OU this question. No, yeah, no it'll, it'll be, be two separate, separate interviews and separate uh, things. Uh, also, I can't reveal the details yet entirely because I'm still waiting to confirm the final time. But Sunday we should be talking to another big guest. Uh, Another national type person I think a lot of you would know, especially if you're college football or podcast listeners and stuff like that. Some of you may not know, but, um, you know, you should get to know. And some of you may remember him from stuff he's done on other TV channels and stuff like that, too. Question for you. Are, are we still going on the uh, Sooners I Fans podcast? That out. We're supposed to, but I had forgotten we'd scheduled this other one Sunday, so i got to talk to them. If we do, we're going to have to do one in the afternoon and then do another show. We may just have to go split them. interviews and split the, yeah. split up the if We may have to do that. Yeah, I don't know. We may have to do both. Um, I'll it's, talk to them and see if there's a window we can get on. I can call and do the other one if you want to do the, the other one. It don't the, matter. The most recent cornerback drafted was the Cleveland Browns at number eight in 2014. Oh, Let's not talk yeah. about that one. Oh, Gilbert. I forgot we're, about We're Gilbert. ignoring that. Yeah. that. That didn't happen. Yeah, I looked I forgot it. about yeah. Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah, that really, <laughs> that's, that's good. good. We, we look up some yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. Way to be useful. Good job. Uh, anything else we got? No, I think anything it. else we can get to in the news and notes. Or uh, unless you want to mention that we did get the shirts and we appreciate everybody's oh, yeah. interest in them. Yes. Yeah. You guys, a lot of you people have been interested in the shirts. We really like them. Hope you like them. If you want one, DM us. Uh, we'll we'll get them to you while they last. Yeah, we will uh, say we have a limited supply right now, but more will be coming. Yeah, yeah. we'll get more definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That, I don't. I we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't know how many to order. You know how many people would even want one. So 
you know, if you don't get one, we'll get you one. You know, we'll just let us know. We'll, we'll do that again. So I, I will say we must be doing something right because the interest in him completely blew me away. I was I was not expecting as much in, yeah much interest. In I was him. expecting like one DM and that was about <laughs> yeah. it. So yeah, that I, it's really it has surprised me. I mean, it's you know we'll we'll, we'll get them out. Um, yeah. Also, if you're interested in the shirts, let us know what else you might like to see us do uh, in terms of like a hat or bags or. I'm a refrigerator hat guy. magnets. I want a hat. You know, I'd love to have a hat personally too. Uh, Breaking news: uh, hats are coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, koozies, if that's your game, you know, just let us know. We, you know, what else you'd like to see this on, and we'll we'll come up with ways to do it. Yeah, it's been it's been a good uh, good ride. So we have, we're having a lot of fun doing this. So I appreciate sure. everybody listening so, and, and, and interacting yeah. with us on our social media. It's been fun. It's gonna be a busy ass week, y'all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this show, we have Friday's Bedlam show, which I know with the way we talk and our knowledge of those teams is probably going to be at least two hours. Um, then Sunday, we possibly have two shows to do. Colin did a radio spot today. Uh, then we have to do our game one preview Wednesday. next Wednesday-ish. I, I, I got a good idea. We can, can we split it into two parts, the Bedlam show? We just said we yeah. Were you talking about oh. two different shows? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, that. he was looking. Nope. At, he was looking yeah. up info. For no, us. we just talked about that. Yeah, no, we're not going to do it all at once. Um, yeah, we're yeah. going to split the show in half. So, um, anything else? Nope. All right, if that's it, thanks for joining us, guys. We hope you liked and enjoyed Brando. We know we surely did. Uh, if that's it, I guess everybody say bye. Bye. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye.